The WBEN All Local. All Local. Produced by Randy Bushover. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. It's Tuesday morning already. Hope you had a wonderful, meaningful Memorial Day weekend. Here's what's happening this morning. President Biden telling reporters Monday he's confident the U.S. will be able to meet the new June 5th debt ceiling deadline. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Biden urgently racing to shore up support for the breakthrough debt ceiling deal. Both sides kind of admitting over the weekend that they had to make compromises. Both President Biden and Speaker McCarthy told us that they did not get everything they wanted in this deal, but they said that ultimately it is the best case to avoid that catastrophic default situation and come to some sort of agreement on the budget for the next two years. That's Elizabeth Schulze in Washington. Back at home, the shakeup at Narden Academy is not over. Weeks after Narden President Sandra Betters submitted her resignation, effective June 30th, we've learned the entire Board of Trustees has been removed from the school. Narden supporters Dan and Leslie Keene offered this statement last night saying, quote, we're heartened by the announcement that a newly constituted board will soon help to chart the course for Narden Academy. It's very clear the Daughters of the Heart of Mary spent a good deal of time discerning before making a difficult yet necessary decision. We'll have more follow-up to this throughout the morning here on WBEN. We may learn more this week about the arrival of migrants in Erie County. State Senator Sean Ryan is confident there will be a well-coordinated plan to bring them here and house them. He talked with WBEN's Max Ferry. Senator Sean Ryan addressed the topic of migrants coming to Erie County. He says once an assessment is completed of how many migrants the county can handle, then the state will formulate a plan. Just like we did after the problems in the Ukraine and problems in Afghanistan. We did an assessment of what groups locally can help, what's their capacity, where can we find surplus housing, and we're trying to gather those numbers now. Once we put those numbers together through the state, we'll go back and say, here's how many we think we could bring into Erie County. But it's all going to be coordinated. There'll be a plan. Whoever's going to come in is going to come in with case management services. We're not going to just dump people uh, anywhere. Senator Ryan says that the journey for migrants to get from New York City to Erie County is going to take some time and won't happen all at once. Most Erie County residents won't notice much of a suggested sudden spike that we've been hearing about, according to Ryan. We know there's not going to be any quick onslaught into western New York. If you remember when after the problems in Afghanistan, it was the idea, when are the Afghans coming? But really what happened, it was a slow trickle of, of people came in, you know, integrated uh, into the community, but it's not something people would, would ever even uh, notice. So after usually there's some some dislocation, uh, you know, we expect like a tidal wave, but it's not really how, how it works out. Senator Ryan also discussed the need for the federal government to expedite work visas for migrants. Hear those thoughts and remarks at WBEN.com. This is Max Ferry for WBEN.com News. Thank you. That brings us to our WBEN.com web poll this morning. We're asking if you think migrants seeking legal asylum in the U.S. should be granted the opportunity to work on a more expedited basis, yes or no. And so far, it's overwhelming, 82% have checked no. You can weigh in with us on the right side of our page at WBEN.com. The FAA is investigating a small plane crash in Orleans County Sunday. The plane was an experimental homemade plane, according to Sheriff Christopher Burke. It came apart in flight. Parts of the plane were scattered around a field off Townline Road in Ridgeway. The pilot and passenger were killed.
Later this week, the Junior League of Buffalo's Decorator Show House opens to the public. This year, the show house is a former friary on Seymour Street in Larkinville. Junior League Chair Cindy McKetchen. It is a three-story building. It is an absolutely beautiful Gothic-style building built in the 1890s. And it opens on Saturday to the public. I went through the house recently during its transformation, and you can see a photo gallery that's posted now at WBEN.com. In just a few hours, Elizabeth Holmes will move into her new home, a minimum security prison, in Texas. The disgraced biotech CEO will finally begin her nearly dozen-year sentence later today. A last morning of freedom for disgraced Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes, once the world's youngest self-made billionaire, convicted of four counts of fraud and conspiracy in January 2022. We've made it possible to run comprehensive laboratory tests from a tiny sample or a few drops of blood. But that was a lie. She reports to Bryan, Texas, to begin serving her 11-plus year sentence on Tuesday. That's Ariel Reshoff reporting. And next to some violence around the country this weekend, reaction to 44 people being shot, nine of them fatally in Memorial Day weekend gun violence, across Chicago. Our guys are running in a, in a gunfire. Chicago Police Commander Brian Spreen. They're running into danger. It's difficult. It, it's definitely trying time. Community activist Andrew Holmes. This is negligence due to these guns inside these homes with no lock on it. Get a lock, lock it down, save these children. Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson. We understand that when communities have been disinvested in and traumatized, that you're seeing the manifestation of that trauma. The mayor says it'll take everyone to build a safer city. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. Back at home as we mark the beginning of Pride Week and Pride Month, what are the biggest issues facing Western New York's LGBTQ community? WBEN's Tom Puckett is taking a look this morning. I really think the issues locally are the same issues that we hear nationally. Justin Azarella of Evergreen Health. Although laws may be different in other states or other communities, where rights and the ability to express ourselves in the LGBT community, let's say through drag performances, are being restricted. That's not happening here in New York State or here in Buffalo. But think about if you had a family member who lived in another country and they lived in a state of repression or they couldn't be their full authentic self. Azarella says in the past five years, many have moved from southern or midwestern communities to western New York because they feel like they're under attack and they feel safe here in western New York. He says that keeps things busy at Evergreen Health. The need just continues and the need continues to grow. I think we see that every day in the news. So yes, we're certainly experiencing more folks in the queer community, in the LGBTQ community, but at the community at large who need care from Evergreen Health. Hear the full conversation online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. Thanks, Tom. The temperatures are rising, but the number of lifeguards to watch over swimmers at beaches and pools are not. The nationwide shortage has become a problem right before the summer season, and there will be closures if lifeguard chairs remain empty. Many beaches and pools are open after the holiday weekend, but some cities are looking at an uncertain season ahead due to a shortage of lifeguards. New York City facing its worst shortage on record. Boston offering hiring bonuses of $1,200. And in Seattle, not enough lifeguards means several city beaches and pools are closed. All right, that is a problem in city after city, and even around here in western New York. Derek Dennis 
with that story. Well, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to the Stanley Cup final for the second time in their six-year history. Game six of the Western Conference final last night, the Golden Knights blanked the Dallas Stars 6 nothing. After winning back-to-back elimination games, the Stars came home to a rocking atmosphere at American Airlines Center. However, that atmosphere quickly turned sour when the Golden Knights took a 3-0 lead just 14 minutes into the game. Here's how it ended. Out in front of chance. Amadio, he scores! Set up by William Carlson. 6-0 Golden Knights. So Vegas will face the Florida Panthers in the Stanley Cup final, and game one of that series is on Saturday. June 3rd. And Saturday, it's also the showdown for the Bandits. Uh, They were in their finals, their playoffs, uh, this weekend. And last night they played Game 2. It's the best of three series. They lost to Colorado. Now the series comes home here to Buffalo this Saturday night in western New York for the title. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Full sunshine today. Temperatures in the mid-80s this afternoon. Tonight's mainly clear, pleasant. Overnight lows near 60. Good deal of sunshine again on Wednesday. A nice warm one with highs in the mid-80s, mid to upper 80s for Thursday. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Mark Hamrick from Bankrate.com is with us this morning. The debt ceiling deal that was agreed to over the weekend, Mark. Uh, Congress still has to approve it, but where are we right now with this agreement and the debt ceiling clock? Good to be with you, Susan. Well, the first thing is uh, it's not over till it's over, right? So to your point, uh, we have to get both houses of Congress to approve this. And Janet Yellen at the Treasury Department has said that the government uh, is at risk of default as of the 5th of June. So I think that uh, President Biden and House Speaker McCarthy have a, a fair degree of confidence that the legislation will be passed It's uh, in many ways much watered down from the more aggressive legislation that uh, the House had earlier approved, and it certainly doesn't include everything that progressives and the Democratic Party approved. So that represents compromise, and then ultimately, I think, represents uh, the better chances of it being uh, enacted into law. But uh, it may not still be white-knuckle time, but we haven't checked off all the boxes to make sure that this uh, risk of a, a catastrophic and chaotic default has totally been put behind us, but I I think the chances have been substantially reduced. Well, does the agreement put the U.S. on a more sustainable fiscal trajectory? Not ultimately, because that's one of the sleight of hand measures that the lawmakers will occasionally pull with these kinds of uh, measures, and that is that, you know, they did not want to lift the debt ceiling. And so, Susan, they did not. They simply suspended it. So lawmakers can go back to their districts and say, you know, I did not lift that debt ceiling. No, they just took the force of law uh, away from it uh, and uh, and will allow the debt to accrue by as much as a trillion dollars a year over the next few years. So, no, the problem hasn't gone away. It's just that uh, the problem isn't being allowed to, uh, let's say, accelerate in, in the same way that it has in recent years. We still have a problem with our debt. We still have uh, commitments for Social Security and Medicare that cannot be met on the current path. 
And these are serious issues. So if you want to maybe take a positive away from this in the sense of the underlying um, uh, hope of your question, it is that these issues have been pushed into the spotlight, so to speak. Obviously, we've got a general election coming up next year. Uh, Sorry about that, folks, but but that will be the case. And, And my hope is and this may be more of a prayer than a realistic expectation, that there can be a sensible and civil conversation about putting the country on, as you say, a sustainable path, one that is not sort of looking at uh, GDP continuing to be outdistanced by our debt uh, by um, a large measure. Talk, if you can, Mark, about the gravity of the moment. I mean, assuming Congress does pass it, what was at stake here? Well, uh, a very severe financial crisis and uh, economic contraction were the likely outcomes had this not occurred. And we're talking about the government being unable to meet its obligations. That's everyone from the people that do business with the federal government to the people who are receiving checks from the federal government or payments like Social Security, uh, military veterans, members of, of the service. Uh, you know, the Treasury bonds, bills and notes uh, are truly the backbone of the world's financial system, and they would not be uh, paid or supported uh, under a default, at, at least at some point, because the government might be able to do some things in the first few days. But after that, all bets are off. And one of the reasons why Treasury debt is regarded as a so-called risk-free asset is because people do respect the full faith and credit nature of the United States government. And one of the reasons that it fills that function is that the Treasury debt at whatever level, let's say a 10-year Treasury, that's regarded as the level of risk-free debt. So from that, interest rates all across the financial system are priced because that is seen as the risk-free asset. And so for us to uh, undermine that through this, what I regard as a highly unproductive debt ceiling process that doesn't do anything to restrain federal spending over its many years. It's failed to do that. Um, it, it is, you know, really risking a self-inflicted wound. And so uh, I'm glad to see more and more ink, so to sp- speak, being spilled over the notion of if we want to be serious about this, the debt ceiling doesn't really help us to resolve this problem. And there probably does need to be, I think there needs to be consideration of getting rid of the debt ceiling, but more attention to actually resolving the problem. You know, what's next, Mark? It seems like all of our attention has been on this debt ceiling, and we're assuming that things will, you know, be positive in terms of reaching this agreement and going through Congress and getting that approval before June 5th. But it seems like we're always waiting for the next shoe to drop in Washington. What is that next shoe? Well, in terms of black swan, Susan, you're right, and that's the nature of unpredictable events. We don't know. But what we do know in in the sense of things that have been in front of us and will continue to be in front of us is uh, seen as an elevated risk of recession, not necessarily a severe recession. The Federal Reserve has another meeting coming up in mid-June, and the risks are now seen as higher that they will raise rates once again. That will be rate increase number 11 if it happens, uh, the steepest series of rate increases in four decades, uh, coinciding with the steepest inflation that we had as of last summer um, in, in 40 years as well. And I would also say, you know, we have to be mindful of the risks that are associated with essentially the world, geopolitical environments. You know, China is increasingly aggressive. We know what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. 
So, you know, it's it's not as if we get past June 5th, assuming, as you say, that these measure, this measure is passed into law and we can put this issue behind. But we'll just be back to the things that we were concerned about before, including more persistent inflation that is, you know, truly putting a tax on, on uh, everyone's finances, whether it's a business, a household or an individual. Mark, great talking with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. All right, Mark Hamrick from Bankrate.com. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.